I was actually, I mean, my profession when I left art school uh, became a commercial artist, graphic designer. So I did a lot of that. But I was always around music. I think, um, you know, I kind of started from when I was a choir boy, I guess, because I had an amazing, we had a, a, a sort of a priest in our, in our little parish in Shoreham-by-Sea in Sussex who was an incredible singer. So he kind of took me on and taught me to sing. So I already had that, um, I had that bones in there um, of, of having a voice, you know, and being able to project. Um, and he was an amazing teacher, you know, so, you know, at the age of five or six, I was being told to, you know, develop the voice from the diaphragm. So I ended up with this huge voice, which was very useful if there was a school band or an art school band or, or as it turned out in London, when I was um, being a commercial artist, um, if there were sort of gigs nearby and I'd like the band, I'd often just jump on stage and sing with them. So I guess I was getting close to the music business, you know, through that. And also, um, one of the jobs I had, we did record covers, and so I got a lot. I got to meet a lot of the artists, you know. Sort of, what's it like being an artist? You know, <laughs> you could ask all those questions. And then I went to an audition in Brighton um, when I kind of decided to commit more to music and the band. Amazingly, I mean, you never know what's going to happen. You know, you think, well, we try it. You know, you never know. And we won the audition, and uh, we won two auditions in a row, in fact. And, and in that way, we thought, yeah, okay, maybe this is the profession. So then the guy who held the audition um, wanted to make a record. So we went up to our studios in Oxford, Oxford Street with the band Patches um, that I'd won the audition with. Um, and gradually, I kind of got separated from the band. So um, by the time we were making the first record, it was, yeah, the other guys were paid off kind of thing. I was a bit, which, into a solo yeah, which was a bit tough because you're losing your mates, you know, you're losing yeah. that kind of safety safety uh, net that you've got, you know. But um, I, I kind of started to enjoy it. And then the first album wrote uh, lots of songs with this guy, David Courtney, who was, you know, very much discovered me. And Adam Faith was the manager who was very dynamic. So, yeah, so everything kind of like happened very quickly when it happened, you know. Yeah, and your first. I've, you know, I've read your first seven singles were all top ten, so yeah, that's like an unbelievable yeah. run of we had, we had an incredible run. I think that we found, you know, in the partnership of myself and Adam Faith and, and David Courtney, although another writer came in to make some of them, you know, Moonlighting was another writer, Frank Farrell. Um, but, yeah, we just, we just achieved something, I think, a style and... and, and um, a sound, you know, and if you can get that, that's the essence of pop music, really. That's yeah. the essence of pop hits. You know, you get the style together and you just kind of roll in and one record follows another. You know, you keep songwriting and we were pretty prolific. So, yeah, you know, definitely. You know it, it just went bang, bang, bang. But the only thing fr was frustrating is they were all number twos and they should have been number ones. Oh, <laughs> you know, number but, ones but that kind of happens, yeah, you get there in the end. So it wasn't until I, I kind of went to America that that happened and, and, you know, started to make records there with Richard Perry in 1976, you know, kind of three or four years after we started. And, um, yeah, and then, then reached another level because getting That's hits... Like international. Yeah, getting hits in America first, you know, and... And getting a number one in America was just an amazing moment, you know. Yeah. You, 
feel like you're walking on air. And it's you know it's like a standard now. Like yeah, it's a, a, a kind of life song career. Well, it is, yeah, yeah. It's like you make me feel like dancing, yeah, it became a standard. When I Need You was uh, the next number one over there. Um, When I Need You, of course, went to number one here in the UK. So, you know, that sort of really kicked it all off. And, I mean, ironically, from that time as well comes the next number one, which is Thunder in My Heart, because that's a remix of 1977 track. Um, Then in 2005. Yeah, Yeah. when, when that happened, I mean... Were, were you taken taken aback, or were you? I mean, just delighted. It was, or, or yeah, did, it was amazing. Not mind that much. <laughs> no, it was fantastic. No, it was amazing. Um, I think the publicity kind of tried to make this angle that they've made a record with Leo Sayer and he doesn't know what he's, you know, he doesn't know about it, and all our yeah, typical, yeah. typical you media know, BS, you know, yeah. setup. Um, but I knew everything about it, and and they'd sent it to me to check it. Out how I liked it. Of course, I own the original, so yeah. they had to kind of ask me. Well, it's your but song. Yeah, exactly. And and it was my recording. The voice is my voice from yeah. 1977. That original record. It's your record. It's yeah, yeah. A bit of different. But it was. Um, but it was really cool. I love what they did with it. And and the and the kicker was the fact that I'd moved to Australia at that time, and kind of six months after moving there, I come back to go on all the TV shows with all the young bands like Blue and all these guys and yeah. suddenly suddenly they're all screaming at me when they hear the record and it's great, you know. So that's incredible. It's like really to get a cool. number one hit in the 21st century having had like a smash yeah, run in the at 70s. at 65 years old as well. That's, it was really cool. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. really so, cool. Yeah, it was really nice. It was kind of like um, signing off some unfinished business, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. saying, right. And, and you know, we, we always knew there was potential in some of those older songs to come back again. I mean, probably there'll be some remixes again. I mean, who knows? You make me feel like dancing is waiting to be done. And I bet how, there are some how much obscure love well. records as well. Yes, obscure tracks. I mean, uh, on the last album that I made, Restless Years, I pulled out a song that I'd written in 1975 called Sometimes Things Go Wrong. And, you know, suddenly I played it to the band. They went, oh, my God, what a song. We've got to record that. So every now and then, you know, you do find things from the past. In fact, in the new album, Selfie, there's quite a few songs there that um, birthed themselves. The creation of those songs was around about, you know, 1980 or to 2000 oh, right. or so. You know, so sometimes songs take a little while to bring along and to nurture, you know, and to, to, to um, you find the right time to release them, you know. And some of these songs, they really seem to fit with now, well, how I am now and how the kind of scene is now, you know, so... And so, so this, you know, Selfie's just come out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, tell me a bit about the recording of, of that. And, yeah, and it, was, of it. it was a completely different project to do because I decided, well, I've been making demos for records for quite some time by myself. And um, back in Australia where I live, I've got this um, nice setup in a, in a barn there that I converted to, you know, to make a big studio. And, um, and... When I was about to call all the musicians, I thought, no, I'll do it myself. And, and so it was a bit of a... So did you play a, everything? Well, yeah, but what you do is you've got computers. So if there's a guitar, um, if there's a guitar part, you know, you, you can press a note and you can... Little riff, you know. So yeah. then you can dun, 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 you know, bend the note, and then you just get the samples to really match up. So you use your ears, you use yeah. a lot of judgment, 
and it takes time because you're all the time well I was all the time searching for sounds that would be like what I imagined in my head for the song so yeah but when if you join the songwriter um, very closely to the production then you end up with this seamless kind of um, way of making records it's a total creative thing it's a bit like you know building a, a battleship out of matchsticks yeah, you know, yeah. you, know you, can, you kind of start each piece kind of really adds to it and with this global vision that you have of the finished thing you just slowly but surely you ha- it teaches your patience you know yeah. but I mean it took maybe two years the whole project to do but I thought not many people I mean Todd Rundgren made a great album with only using his voice so that the drums would be... Yeah, yeah, that's right. And it was all used in the voice, you know, and then he'd make the guitars. Uh, He did that, it was called a cappella. It was about 1985 or six or something like that. You need to listen to that. Yeah, he's he's the only guy to have done something like this. And of course, I mean, the great, you know, you've got... um, switched on bark you know Wendy Carlos and all those things of course that's all synthesizer and the whole album is made by them you know it's one person making it but this was a different thing because I just wanted to kind of like try and create a, a big human sound out of it as well I didn't want it to sound like samples and Synthetic. programming yeah, yeah exactly so I kind of disguised that a little bit and got the human touch into there but the only rule was that there couldn't be any other musician on it and no other singer so no backing vocals from anybody else. I had to kind of, you know, there's one track so called... Um, yeah, it's one track called um, Refugees, and there's about 35 Leos on there as a choir. That's awesome. You know, yeah. But it's kind of fun to do. It's fun to, to do those things, you know. And do you find, you know, because you've had such a lot of success. Yeah, so yeah. Do you still have that kind of that fire to create... Yeah, amazingly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know why, but I'm... You know, ridiculously still ambitious. I still think I can. I know it sounds crazy, but I still think I can make my Sergeant Pepper or Dark Side of the Moon. That's a really good place. Yeah, yeah. It's it 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 is good. Um, gets gets annoying sometimes. Well, sometimes you can't sleep because you've got songs going through your head and you're going, oh, why can't I nail this? You know, so so you're kind of um, frustrated with it as well. But it's good to be driven. I think all great artists are driven. You know, whether it's Jackson Pollock or, mm, you know, um, um, Dylan Thomas, you know, or if it's, if it's um, you know, um, Serge Ginsberg or, or Francis Ford Coppola or Steven Spielberg, they're all driven. They're all, and you'll find that they're all unsatisfied. They're you know, they want to d- move on to the next Yeah, thing. you create something and everybody says it's great and they go, yeah, it's all right, but I can do better. Yeah. You know, and we're all like that. So but we're all driven. Forward. And I tend to be miserable sometimes about it, you know, because people... It's like the Union Chapel the other night. Everybody's saying, oh, my God, what a great show. But all I could see was everything that was wrong with it. <laughs> you know, so... Yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, so it's hard to accept. But that kind of burning ambition is fantastic. It really spurs you on, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's what, what yeah. got, got you to Yeah, you exactly. And, and, you know, I'm, I don't feel jaded about anything. You know, I don't feel that I can rest on my laurels yet. And I feel that... Even at 71 in May, I feel that my best years are yet to come, you know, so the energy is, is strong and um, my ability to sing is still good. And I'm still, you know, just written a new song the other day, which I think is really good. So I'm thinking already of About the next, the next album. Yeah. So there's no resting, you know, it's like 
Yeah. And that's really cool. You know, and ambition's good. You know, I want to play Glastonbury and I want to play the Wembley Legends Stadium. Sports, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. And I, I think mean, I can do I it. I think Kylie's this year in the Legends. Yeah, sports, that's so right. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. Let's, let's well, they're all like. Y- and and the funny year. thing is, they're all a lot younger than me, so I feel that my time is. You know, it's going to be funny when it comes because they'll all say, "Oh my God, he's that old and he still can do it." You know. Yeah. So, so that's the challenge as well. You and, know, to prove people. I guess it's sometimes it's being that ornery little guy who wants to prove everybody wrong <laughs> you know I mean I mean that uh, yeah but, I guess that gets the far but, there but, to, but to then again going. you think of all you know I mean Jim Morrison Johnny Lydon um, you know uh, all of us we're all got that burning thing that we want to prove ourselves all the time and we never stop yeah wrong. Nick Cave you know we're all you know we're all going to go I'll show you you yeah, know, yeah, so, yeah. So it's a strange a kind of, part of it. And, and artists are driven. And uh, you think of film stars as well, like Jimmy Dean and, and, and Paul Newman and Steve Mc, uh, you know, um, I don't know. It's, there's something really driven about Marlon Brando. Yeah. You know, I mean, he never stopped until he made his last movie. He was still saying, I could do better. Every show is an adventure, and you should try and make that an event. Every single one's an event. And at my age, I mean, any morning I get up and... Mm, I'm alive as a bonus anyway. But every gig that I go to, I want to make better than the last. Because you never know if it's your last gig or you're, or, or, or you're going to go off the idea. So every single one is important. doesn't matter where you are. You could be in Swindon, you know, Buxton in the Peak District, all in London, you know, and they're all Each the same to important. me. Each yeah. one is important. So that's important. And also how you kind of... Um, how you describe yourself in music is kind of important because it's where you're at at that moment. Uh, because the great thing about pop music is that it's, it's the zeitgeist of the time that you're in. You know, I mean, when Pete Townsend sang, you know, Hope I Die But People Get Old, well, Roger Daltrey did, but it was Pete Townsend's song with The Who. You didn't really felt that was the moment. He had to say that. And it's like, if you don't grasp it now, this is my one chance. So everything's... All, Everything is that one chance, you know. Yeah. You've just got to, that's all that matters is what you're doing now. Yeah, that's a really So good the past is not important. It's gone. There's nothing you can do about it. You know, if you made some good records, then fantastic. And people come to see me because of, you know, Orchard Road and Moonlighting and One Man Band and the show must go on and When I Need You and you make me feel like dancing. Cool. And thunder in my heart, you know. But they come to see me, but that but I always want to show them something new. Something new. But yeah. I guess you know by by your performance, by your live performances and reinterpreting the songs and singing them. That's true. That's another angle that's as well. Yeah, good point. Seeing you know seeing yeah. somebody who's made yeah a lot well, we of never, art that a lot of people love and watching them do that live. Yeah. There's nothing more powerful than that. Yeah, in a way, we 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 never stop redeveloping the songs. There's always new ways to perform them. I mean, you know, when I need you now is performed very much as a blues with harmonica. It still sounds like the original. It's got the essence of the original, but it's kind of, um, it's got a different angle to it. And I think people appreciate that, you know. And you're closing the shows with, is, is this right, you're closing the shows with a song that you wrote for Roger Daltrey? Yeah, Giving It All Away, which is, you know, I think the best song I ever wrote anyway. So it's, and that's kind of a loose really format. It's cool to hear, hear you yeah, sing. Yeah, yeah. And, and I bet people love it. And yeah, and we use really the harmonica it. in it, and it develops into different shades, and it's different every night which is another nice thing to do, you know, so if you can bring different elements in, you know, um, it depends on your mood. Yeah. <laughs> and the band is, is great, you know, I mean, I have a fantastic band in Australia as well, 
and a great band here. And amazingly, the show is pretty much exactly the same both places because we found a way to make it work. But the, the way the guys play it is very different. So that spurs me on, so yeah, and yeah. I can do, I can sing different it in different things. ways, yeah. Um, it started in Australia earlier this year, so, you know, February to, I think, February, end of February until about April we were touring there. So um, not that many shows, but about 16 or so. And, uh, and then that's kind of dovetailed into, and then we went to America with, this, with the English band, and then now we're here, and um, hopefully there'll be some more gigs this year, um, probably down under. Um, a few places we haven't been. New Zealand is coming up as well. Tasmania. So there's more places to play. Hopefully trying to sort of work some gigs in Asia as well. Um, and that's with the Australian operation. So then we come over with the British guys, um, with, with Jan who looks after me, is putting everything together at the moment. So we're, we're looking at Ireland and, um, and uh, some more in England, maybe some festivals. Um, so we'll see, we'll see what it... So, so, you know, there's always stuff to do. And I'd rather be on the road than sitting at home. Although, yeah. although if I do sit at home, I can make my records. You can you make know? Records, yeah. So, so, I, so the, I've got the two kind of, you know, two things to do. And do you just prefer... Do you, do you just like them equally? You know, they're well, just so different. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when I make records now, as like Selfie, I'm completely on my own. I mean, I don't even... I've got a partner, Donatella, and I don't even play or anything until it's finished. Because I know she'll just turn around and go, what is that? You know? <laughs> <laughs> when I come to work with the band, it's totally a group activity. You know? yeah. So what do you think, guys? You know, so we're kind of bouncing off each other. And then you get the energy, obviously, from the fans yeah. and the shows. And, and I, I kind of like that dichotomy, if, it were, uh, if you like, of, of those two activities. It's yeah. great. It gives me a chance to recharge my batteries when I'm working by myself but also then get inspired when I'm working with the band so I can take that inspiration back into the studio and go, wow, how can I get that sound? You know, we had that night, that moment, it was really good. How can I recreate that? Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and so, you know, you've had so many, like, hit singles. So yeah. what, and, you know, I'm asking this, of all the people <laughs> that we interview, but yes, in your course. case it's even more relevant because there's so much, you know, so much great music mm-hmm. for radio and mm-hmm. so many pop, pop hits. Yes. It's like sometimes some of the deep cuts get buried. So what, cause, so what I want uh, to, to ask <laughs> you is what are the songs that you think ha- haven't been uh, you know, celebrated or, or, or aren't known that, that, yeah, you, that you yeah. think people should listen well, to you know, beyond the, the massive you know, juggernaut hits? It, it would pro- uh, probably, the, the funny thing about making a three or four minute single is that you really design it towards that purpose. Is this yeah. a, I don't know if there's a good way to answer, but, you know, hits are kind of often created as hits. I mean, a few of them I've had, like Orchard Road, that was never designed to be anything. It just came out, and then the manager came in, Adam Faith, and said, that's a hit, you've got to release it. And we were going, what? You know, yeah, it's just yeah. something that we were jamming. and You know, and You Make Me Feel Like Dancing came out of a jam session, but that basically developed it into a single by adding a chorus and adding Steve Gadd on drums, you know, and yeah. a few little things to, to kind of like trick it into making it into a commercial. But most of the time, you know, when you're writing songs and you know which ones are the singles. And I'm probably my answer to the question would be, I'd love to re-release half a dozen of the, um, if I had a chance, I'd love to re-release some of the songs, maybe remix them, 
that weren't hits, but I know were really good potential hits. That'd so that would be, really be cool that would be really interesting. I mean, there's a song I, I wrote with Alan Tarney called "Once in a While." It was great. A song called "Living in a Fantasy" again with Alan Tarney, who did Orchard Road and and more than I can say, produced more than I can say for me, um, and played everything on it. Um, so you know, I'm thinking immediately of two songs there that were great songs at the time, you know. Um, and I'm thinking of a few that got away that could have been, you know, like there's a song called How Much Love, which was kind of a hit, but a guy that I worked with called Lee Dagger did an amazing mix of it. So we're looking at that at the moment and thinking maybe there's a way to kind of trick that along. I was talking to Lee um, a few weeks ago and he's saying, I'm going to have another look at it. So, you know, maybe that could become a breakout dance hit. Because yeah. there's potential as well of making dance records of some of these. There's a potential also of remixing a lot of the selfie tracks and yeah. getting something happening there, you know, maybe getting a club mix together and things like that. Because I do love the dance scene. I've got so many people, so many friends who work in it. Um, and I was trying to sort of like push towards that a little bit in some of the songs in selfie. I mean, it's always going to be old fashioned, my sound. but. You know, once no, some of the, one of those guys gets together and cuts it up and everything, you could see the potential in yeah. in Thunder but, in My Heart. So I think a lot of people prefer dancing to stuff like make me feel like dancing anyway than than just sort of the you know the well yeah the mind yes. it's nice to sit in between that sometimes yeah. and then you well, have it remixed, made it a bit heavier. I yeah, mean, I mean like exactly. The cool thing with Thunder in My Heart was that you know we could we could add that you know that beat to to a song and still bring out hold the melody. Well, I mean, it's been an absolute pleasure, Leo, to interview you. Thank you so Great, much. Great, mate. For, Great for questions. Thank time. you very much.